Y'all are going to have to bear with me because <clears throat> i got a lot I want to say tonight. And um, um, I'm going to go fast, okay? So I'm going to talk fast, listen fast, take notes fast, all right? Yeah. I want to tell you, children are a blessing from the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 127, 3 through 5, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. Now, somebody said, well, who's more content? The man who has seven children or the man with seven million dollars? The man with seven seven children because he doesn't want no more, right? So I don't know if if more is always better, but here's the point I want to make tonight from the very beginning and, and from this verse is that in our culture today, children are considered to be a burden and they're considered to be a problem and they may not phrase it this way, but the attitude is, is like they're almost like a curse. And you need to see that children are a heritage. They are a blessing from the Lord. You see, in our culture right now, and, and please don't misunderstand me, all right? If, you know, I don't want anybody to, you know, put yourself on the wrong side of the fence on this. But there are a lot of people who in our culture have just said, you know what, we're not going to have children or and or you know, only one, that's all anybody can stand, you know, but, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get in your business about how many kids you have. I just want to address the attitude of our culture though, that says less or better. And you know what? Children really are a blessing and first right out of the gate, we need to see it that way, that it, it, it that's something in our culture that's so predominant and we need to see they are a blessing from God and, uh, you know, it's sure, children can bring grief in your life, but they can also bring such great joy when we see the blessing of God on them. So tonight's message is titled Effective Parenting, and effective means to produce a result. What is our desired result? You know, I think for some in our society, uh, the desired result is to get them 18 and out of the house. You know what I mean? It's just to hold on for dear life until you get them out of the house. But we're believing for something better than that. Amen. And if we're going to be effective parents, uh, we need to consider what our desired results are. And I think that it, it simply ought to be that we want to see them serving God and walking in the blessing of God. I mean, there's nothing better than that for your child to have God's favor and be blessed by the Lord. It's better than money. It's better than anything this world has to offer. And at the same time, and, and as part of that, we want to see them not have to go through a lot of heartache and destruction in their life. So that's the desired result that we're looking for, to see them serve the Lord, enjoy the blessing of God. So what does it take to be an effective parent? Well, we talked a lot about some of these principles last week just briefly, but I want to kind of dig into these things a little bit more tonight. And um, I want to say, first of all, if, if there are... A lot of single parents today, you know, I realize that. A lot of people who are parenting by themselves. And as I said last week, you're not really doing that by yourself. If you're a Christian, you're doing that with the Lord. He's your help. 
and, and he'll be there during those difficult times. But there are a lot of moms, whether they're single or even married, that seem to be doing it themselves. And I just want to say, gentlemen, that contrary to what culture says, you are a vital part of raising your children. See, there's such an attitude. Now, now I'm, I'm calling the dads out because I'm saying, hey, you need to be a part of this, but I'm also going to stand in defense of the dads because culture's played a big part in this, acting like dads are just part of the problem. You know, just get out of the way. Mom's going to raise the kids. And I just want to say, that's just not right. It's just not scriptural. And tonight, I'm going to give you quite a bit of scripture about some of these things because it goes so against the grain of the attitudes of culture. And for some of you, some of the things I'm going to say, it's going to be hard for you because it's so different than the mindset that's been ingrained in people through our culture. So here we go, though. Ephesians 6, 4 says this, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now I want you to know this is certainly not exclusive to fathers. Mothers do this as well. But I think that it's not an accident that he's addressing fathers here. And fathers, we just need to realize we have a responsibility we have authority, and we have a responsibility that goes with that. Amen. Now, he's, he mentions training. In the King James Version, it says nurturing. So what does it take to train a child or to nurture a child? It takes love and discipline. They go together. You know, Jesus was full of grace and truth. And he wasn't half and half. He was full of grace and he was full of truth. And listen, children need a full dose of love. <laughs> they need all the love, a full measure, all the love you can get of them. They also need a full measure of discipline. You know, the best example always is the Lord. Oh, how he loves us. He says in Jeremiah 31, 3, that he has loved us with an everlasting love. In Hebrews 12, 6, he tells us that he disciplines those he loves. See, people talk a lot about God's love. They don't like to talk much about the Lord's discipline. But he does discipline. To get... I don't, I can't think of the last time I heard a song on Christian radio about God's discipline. You know what I'm saying? I can't think of a single chorus we sing about it either, but to get the desired result we want with children, I want to tell you it takes a whole lot of love, it takes a whole lot of children. There's a well-known educator named Harry Wong. He talks about effective teachers maintaining high support and high control in the classroom. And he uses a family at a dinner table as an example. And I want you to understand, I am certainly not going to take worldly principles and adapt them, you know, try to adapt or stick scripture on it. But I, I am going to use this as an illustration of how these same principles work in, in a situation or a setting of a classroom. You know, he, he calls it high support and high control. I'm talking about Love and discipline, and it's the same thing. But we read a minute ago, we're not supposed to provoke our children to wrath, and that certainly happens when there's not enough love expressed. The love and the close relationship that comes as a result gives credibility to a child 
for you to be able to bring correction in their life. I realized this a long time ago, back in the 80s when I was youth pastor at Grace, and there were some kids who loved me. I, they just thought I hung the moon. And then there were some kids that hated me. And I realized that the common difference was is the ones that loved me, I had managed to build a real relationship and rapport with them. And when I corrected them or when I, you know, had some kind of discipline or instruction for them, they were able to receive it. But the ones that I wasn't ever really able to establish a close relationship with, they resented it when I disciplined them or corrected them in some way. And so I'm just saying to you that discipline doesn't work without love. The truth is, though, is that love doesn't work without discipline either when it comes to raising children. You have to have both. Children need all the love you can give them. They got to know they're loved even when they make mistakes. They need to know that no matter what they do, see, just like us with the Lord, you know, we know that when we blow it, he still loves us. And your child needs to know that no matter how much they mess up, you love them. They need to be shown love and affection Kind words and support every day. They need encouragement. They need positive reinforcement when they're doing good. The other day, my grandson, he dropped his sucker and it broke. And man, was he upset. He started crying and crying and crying. His sister, she hadn't unwrapped hers yet. And she said, here, you can have mine. So sweet. And so Carmen... She made a point this past week to get Emery and take her out for an ice cream just as a reward for her being so unselfish and kind to her brother. And, but you see, it was a teaching moment as she reinforced that. And so I'm just saying there's lots of ways that you can teach your child. But here's the rub, and here's what we really got to talk about tonight, is that there has to be discipline. They need to be trained to make the right choices. You know, I mentioned this last week, but children just aren't the best judges of what's good for them in the long run. I mean, if they were allowed to make their own choices, they wouldn't go to the dentist. They wouldn't take a bath. Most of them wouldn't eat vegetables. They probably wouldn't want to go to school or church. I'm just telling you, you gotta, children have to have some help in making the right choices, and you got to set boundaries and expectations for them. They need to be trained to make the right choices. You know what? I went to the dentist today and nobody made me. <laughs> I learned that there was something that's necessary for me to do. Just saying. But you see, we need to realize that the same principles and the same idea is true when it comes to spiritual things. This world we live in has created this attitude among so many people and, and so many believers that, well, you know, I'll teach my kids about other things, but when it comes to God, you just got to let them find their own way. You got to teach your child. You got to train them up. He said, in the admonition of the Lord, in the teachings of the Lord, it's not just about natural things. No, it's about spiritual things got to be trained. I wish I would have been trained a little better to brush my teeth. I might not have had to go to the dentist today. Harry Wong said that children reach their potential when there are rules and boundaries. And my 
wife would testify to that as she taught public school for a number of years. And when you had a class where there were rules and boundaries and the, the kids followed the rules, it was a good atmosphere for the kids to learn. They learn more when that atmosphere is like that. And you need to understand that in your home and for you as a parent, when there are rules and boundaries, it helps your kid learn better. I have a kind of a crazy example about this from when I was a youth pastor. I saw it many, many times over the years, but you could take 50, 60 teenagers into a gym and if you just turn them loose, well, first of all, if you ask them, hey, do y'all just want to do whatever you want or do you want me to organize things and set it up? They go, oh, we want to do what we want. But here's the result of that. When it's over, only a handful of them would say, I had a good time. It was such mayhem. In fact, I youth pastored at one church where the previous youth pastor would open the gym and turn on some like hard rock, heavy metal type Christian music and just let them go wild. And the result of that was the younger kids, the younger teenagers were afraid to go to the youth. It was so wild. But you take the same group of kids and you, you, don't, you don't give them an option. You don't say, hey, do you want, you want somebody to be in charge? You just want to do your thing. No, you don't do that. You say, look, Y'all get over here, y'all get over here. We're going to get up some teams. We're going to have volleyball down here on this end. We're going to have some basketball down here on this end. Everybody's going to get to participate. It's going to be, you know what? They'll be like, okay, okay. And when it's over, did you have a good time? The vast majority of them will say, yeah, that was fun. Well, two of you on board with me. But I'm telling you, I saw it not once or twice, but many, many times over the years. Kids do better when there's organization, when they understand the the boundaries and the guidelines. And the same is true in your home. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Listen to the way Matthew Henry says that. He says, train children not in the way they would go, that of their corrupt hearts, but in the way they should go, in which if you loved them, you would have them go. See, we raise godly children by training them through loving and consistent discipline. Now, when I talk about discipline, this has become such a controversial subject in our culture today. Because a lot of people, especially if you mention corporal punishment, they equate that with child abuse. And I want to say, listen, as believers, we certainly stand against and oppose and will not tolerate any kind of child abuse. But when done in love and done properly, corporal punishment is not child abuse. And it is so scriptural. Now, here's the problem. It has been so pushed at everybody that a lot of believers even think, oh, no, you know, that's, that's not really right. It is all through the scripture. And I want to say, yes, there are lots of ways to discipline. But if you take that completely off the table, you're taking away something that the Bible talks about very specifically. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. I remember one time... When mine were little, I don't remember exact age, probably three and a half and four, or two and a half and four, something like that. 
You know, they got too quiet. You know what that means, right? And so I find them. They're in the bathroom flushing the commode. I'm like, what is going on? They're like, we're playing potty, Daddy. Playing potty. I go over, I look in the commode, and I see rags and cash swirling around the commode. Man, I took that commode off the floor so fast. It was a bunch of ones and fives I took up from the youth at a pizza fellowship or pizza and prayer time that we had, you know, and I'd left it laying on the dresser that evening when I got in and the next morning they found it and threw it in the toilet. (laughs) Foolish. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. See, it's there whether you want to admit it or not. I mean, grandparents think, oh no, my, my little grandchild's a genius. Well, they might be, but there's still foolishness bound in the heart of a child. And here's what will help remove it from them. It's correction. In fact, the Bible says the rod of correction. See, children that aren't disciplined, they just do all kinds of stupid stuff. In fact, people do all kinds of stupid stuff, don't they? I mean, if if you go on YouTube and you look up stupid videos, stupid human videos or whatever, there's all kinds of stuff. But it's not even just when people are being stupid on purpose, right? I mean, stupid is just rampant in our world right now. That's a whole lot of people that had some foolishness bound up in the heart of a child and it never got disciplined. And man, do they do stupid. And if you want your kid to grow up and not be stupid, you need to discipline them and train them. This is what the Bible teaches. Don't go along with the attitude of the world. They're born foolish, but you can train them and teach them not to be foolish you know it's through correction and discipline you teach them to obey to submit to authority so that they'll learn to obey the Lord and serve the Lord with a blessing of God on their life see a lot of parents are teaching their children you know what you don't really have to obey you want your kids to grow up knowing that when the Lord speaks the best thing is for them to obey without any hesitation now We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12 and look at verses 5 through 11 and just take a few minutes here. And this is speaking about the Lord's discipline. And I'm not going to teach a long time here and get into all of that, but I just want you to see a few principles here that happen with discipline that we can learn from tonight. Hebrews 12, beginning from verse 5, he says, And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. So he disciplines every child that he loves. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Now, there's a little interesting phrase there at the end. We paid them respect. Yes, that's part of the result of proper discipline is respect. And I'm I'm just going to jump ahead here because I don't get to this later. But children 
Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. We want it to go well for our kids. They need to learn to honor you. If they don't, it won't. And here it tells us that we learn to respect, but also he says our human fathers corrected us. And that's really the goal of discipline. It's to correct. It's to help. You know, when they're going the wrong direction, what do they need? Correction. And that's the goal of discipline, to train a child to know which way to go to make the right choices. He goes on, he says, Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of our spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. See, he dis, the Lord disciplines us for his good. I mean, for our good. We discipline our children for their good. Don't discipline a child when you're mad. That's awful. You don't discipline a child because you're embarrassed. In fact, you don't just discipline a child just to change some behavior. You discipline a child for their good. That's the motivation. It's for their good. You see, when you get this right, then you do it right. You're doing it for their good. You're doing it to help them. You're doing it to train them so that you can achieve the desired result, that they're going to serve the Lord and see the blessing of God on their life. They're not going to do stupid and bring destruction in their life. It's not something you do to your child. It's something you do for your child. Verse 11, no chastening seems joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields peaceable fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant for the child, right? But for the parent, it's not pleasant either. But it yields peaceable fruit. It yields something. You see, it brings about that desired result. It says that they're trained by it. And you see, it's so important that we understand this principle. Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares his rod hates his son. Well, I think that's just a little too strong. I'm going to take that out of my Bible. He who loves him disciplines him promptly promptly. What a joke. I'm going to count to 10. Good grief. Don't make me come over there. Don't make me come over there. Don't make me come over there. Get up and get your lazy self over there. Good grief. Promptly. Teaching your child to obey just, you know, Sometimes, once in a while, no. He who loves him disciplines him promptly. I know this is so frowned upon, but in the New Living Translation, it says, if you refuse to discipline your children, it proves you don't love them. If you love your children, you will be prompt to discipline them. I know some today say, well, I don't spike my child because that's hitting them, and I love my child. I'm not going to hit my child. If you love them, you'll train them. You will discipline them. You may hesitate sometimes to discipline your kids because you think 
you're being unkind. But in actuality, you're being worse than unkind when you don't discipline them and correct their behavior so that they'll be trained by it and receive the benefits of it. I know a lot of people don't believe in that kind of discipline today. My mom sure did believe in it when she was raising me. And she would have told you, if she could be here tonight, she would tell you, Mark could have made a believer out of any of you. I got a lot of discipline. Now, once I had kids, everything changed. All of a sudden, she didn't believe in that kind of discipline anymore. <clears throat> she didn't want me to ever spank her grandbabies. She said that it would repress their personalities. So, well, here's a sweet picture of my kids. Let's see, aren't, aren't they sweet? Little angels, I'm just telling you. They're so precious. Here's the next picture. Here's one with my mom and dad. See that bowl haircut? That's something my mom did to him. Y'all be sure and tease Jonathan about that, by the way. But what is that? That's some real personality, I'm telling you right now. It ain't repressed. In fact, we were trying to repress a little bit of that. All right. One day she was doting about how great my kids are, you know, just on and on and on, how perfect they are in every way. And I said, isn't it amazing that in spite of my horrible parenting that they have turned out so awesome? She said, yes. <laughs> True story. I don't think there's ever been a parent that didn't wonder sometimes if they'd done the right thing when it came to discipline. But we need to know what the Bible says. And as I said last week, that's where our confidence comes from. Not from culture, not what, what other people think, but what the scripture says. You know, when they disobey or they misbehave and you discipline them, it's, it's not their personality that gets repressed. It's the foolishness that's bound in the heart of the child. So I want to say this clearly. Let them be children. Let them act like kids. Obedient kids. Dr. James Dobson, Christian author, psychologist, founder of Focus on the Family, has written a lot of books on marriage and family. He's considered to be one of the most knowledgeable Christian leaders in regard to parenting. According to Dr. Dobson, it's best to start training, disciplining your child when they're young, approximately 14 months of age, he says, youngsters are more pliable until they're around four years old. After that, the concrete hardens a little and you have to work a little harder at breaking it up. So just want to say, clarify here, that I mean that you don't discipline them as they're older. He's just saying that it's easier if you start early. But when you see a three-year-old in the supermarket throwing a fit and mommy says, if you'll be good, I'll buy you an ice cream... Mommy is no longer in charge. Junior is running the show. He's learned at the age of three how to get goodies from mommy, and that blackmail is going to pay off big later when he's a teenager. Just saying. By the time he's a teenager, he'll be a little manipulator. He's going to know exactly how to work his parents. And here's the thing. It's hard to train teenagers if you haven't been doing it since they were little. So start early. 
Now, if you haven't, if you haven't done this and you've got a teenager, you might have to have a, you know, a come-to-Jesus meeting with your teenager and say, hey, look, we haven't been doing things right, but we're going to start doing things right. There's going to be some rules, and it's going to be tough. I'm just going to tell you, but you still need to do it. You may not get there overnight. It may take you some time, but you still need to work with them and get there. Dr. Dobson summarizes discipline like this. At a football game, when a guy jumps off sides, what does the referee do? He doesn't get red-faced and begin screaming about the virtues of keeping the rules. He drops the flag and he steps the penalty off. In the same way, when your child messes up, don't break the peace of your home. He's talking about getting all mad and red-faced. No. You step off the penalty and you do it consistently. Don't reason with the little guy disciplining. When our kids are little, we can get tears in our eyes from taking a paddle and smiting their bottoms with it. But after the tears... Hold your child on your lap and tell them you love them and why. So here's one of the most important principles I could ever give you about discipline. It's got to be consistent. It doesn't work if you're not consistent. See, a lot of parents believe in discipline. They just don't do it consistently. They do it when they get mad. They do it when they've had enough. They do it when they've given them 14 chances or they do it as a last resort. Discipline works when you do it every time. You know, this is what I learned pretty quick as a parent about discipline. If you do it every time, you end up doing it a whole lot less. It may sound strange. You think, oh, you just have to spank them all the time. No. If you do it every time, you end up spanking or disciplining way less than the people that do it once in a while. You almost never have to do it if you do it right. Here's a real key to being consistent. Whenever possible, you tell your child what you want them to do or not do, and you tell them exactly what the consequences are going to be. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. How many of you, don't raise your hand, I'm just, it's rhetorical. Do you ever speed? Ever? Ever? You're banking on the fact that this time you won't get caught. Or if you get caught, they won't do anything to you. I mean, what if... They came out with this new tracker and they put it on everybody's cars. It was built into the car and the computer connected to GPS. And every time you were in a 30 and you accidentally or on purpose hit 31, computer spit out a ticket to send you in the mail. What if 100% of the time when you went over the speed limit, you're going to get a ticket? And you, there was no getting around it. There's no exceptions. There's no, you know... Somehow I'll slide by, but 100%. Would you speed? I mean, not unless you're really stupid, right? Or you had a true emergency maybe, but man, would it be different? We bank on the fact that we're probably going to get away with it. And that's what happens with inconsistent discipline. You might even be up, I discipline half the time. They're counting on that half the time. If you want them to obey every time, you have to discipline every time. That's the only way. And you know what? This is what I found. When discipline every time, I didn't want to do it. Sometimes it was hard. 
Sometimes it hurt to do it. You don't want to discipline them. You want to just let them slide. And, and I'm not saying there can't ever be any mercy, I, I, but I'm just saying if you're, going to be, if you're going to truly be consistent about it, then you're doing it in obedience to the Lord and you're doing it for your child. You're not doing it because you want to. If you want to spank your problem, you ain't, your, your child, you're not doing it pro- right. You've got a problem. Y'all quiet now. I want you to clean your room when you get home from school. If it's not clean by supper, you lose your TV privileges for the rest of the week. Simple. Now, if they believe it, they'll do their homework. If they don't, they won't. If a kid 100% believes that you're going to do what you said, they'll very rarely disobey. They bank on you not doing what you said. You got to be consistent. By the way, you notice I called that a privilege. A TV, a phone, video games, internet, all that's a privilege. I mean, every kid has the right, in this country, every kid has the right to be safe, to not be abused, to have their basic needs like food and clothing met. But all of those other things, those are all privileges. And you know what? Those are privileges for people that do what they're supposed to do. You know, that's the way life works. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Real important that they learn to obey. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So I'm going to say it one more time. There's a fantastic promise if you teach your child to respect you. Teach them to respect authority. If, you, if they don't respect you, they don't respect authority, they won't really truly respect the Lord's authority in their life either. Verse 4, we read it earlier. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Training and admonition of the Lord. But he started with this. He says, don't provoke them to wrath. Another translation says embitter them. It's talking about making them resentful. The first thing that will make your child angry or bitter or resentful is harsh or angry discipline. Don't ever discipline your child when you're angry. Now You go pray, you go talk to the Lord about it, but you don't discipline your child when you're angry. Discipline has to be done in love, not anger. Second, when discipline is perceived as unjust or when the love is left out, it makes them resentful. You know, and every kid at some point has probably thought that their parent was unfair at some point. But I'm just saying, this is a a harsh pattern. When a child feels like that they're being mistreated all the time, it's going to bring anger and resentment. Third, inconsistent discipline will provoke your child because it seems unfair. I mean, I did this 10 times and got away with it. And now they lower the boom on me. That's not fair. They never know. They need boundaries. They need to know what the consequences are. They need to know that you mean what you say. And you see, when you're consistent and disciplined and they do wrong, they're not surprised when they get disciplined. But when it's hit and miss... It ought to always be age-appropriate 
So I'm just going to throw this out here. When they're really young, small children, a lot of people are trying to, you know, reason with their three-year-old, and a three-year-old just can't really understand what a 5,000-pound car does to a little body. Sometimes the only way to really discipline and teach is with a spanking when they're little. When they get a little older, sometimes there's other things that are a lot more effective. We often grounded ours from the TV or the internet or the phone or all of the above. And we found that real effective because not only was it, you know, dealing with their bad behavior, but a lot of the time it was probably getting rid of some of the wrong kind of influence at the same time. Use those things readily, especially for teenagers. Took away their phone. They think they're going to die. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Admonition is just a big word for teaching, instruction. Most parents don't do much teaching and instruction anymore. They're letting their kids just learn things the hard way. Well, they got to find their own way. No, you help them. Teach them. Get rid of that foolishness. Don't let your kids grow up stupid. There are opportunities to teach every day. I mean, your kid's playing ball. There's all kinds of teaching opportunities when your kid's playing ball. Some, kid, some parents, they're out there telling their kid, yeah, listen, at home plate, just say you're safe anyway when they know they were out. See, everything, every, you're driving down the freeway. There's going to be opportunities to teach. See, quit, quit talking about all the idiots out there and instead use that time to teach your kids something. Now, you know, I had a little easier because I was a preacher. My kids expected me to be preaching at them all the time. (laughs) But you need to do it. You need to impress your values. You need to impress on your kids right and wrong. You want them to get it from Hollywood? You want them to get it from their friends at school? Or you want them to get it from you? See, a lot of this thing with, you know, other things and other people have become the biggest influence of, in young people's lives. It's because parents have abdicated it. Take it back. I read a post called Choosing Their Religion. And the subtitle says it all. Not all teens reject truth. Some are tailoring it to fit their lifestyle. They call it iPod religion. They, chick, they pick and choose, you know, on their iPod or their whatever, what music they want. And they pick and choose what beliefs and morals they want. you got to teach Scripture. you got to teach them godly values. Teach them right and wrong. Teach them what it is to serve the Lord. Children have to be taught to fear the Lord. They have to be taught how to act in church. I remember as just a little guy going with my grandparents to the early service at their church one Sunday. And we, we went in and I sat down. I sat next to my granddaddy like a little soldier through that whole entire service. Children can go to an adult service and sit and be quiet and behave. I remember one Sunday morning when I was pastoring a church in Oklahoma. I'm on the platform, and I look up, and there's my daughter on the, you know, the one making the face. I look up, and there she is on the front row. We had pews, you know. And she's turned around facing everybody else in the congregation. She's doing splits on the front row in the pew, (laughs) smiling at everybody back behind her, you know. 
We had some instruction after the service. They have to be taught. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. I remember one, one um, friend that uh, when I was a youth pastor, his, uh, he, he's sitting with his three-year-old in the Sunday night service back then. You know, we had those things. Anyway, and teenagers behind him are all laughing. He's like, what are they laughing at? He sees his three-year-old son's got his finger up his nose to the first joint and, or second joint, I mean. And um, he says, stop that, you know. And, and just like 30 seconds later, he hears these teenagers laughing again. He looks over his son. He's got his finger in his nose again. And he says, that's it. He picks him up and he's taking him out. And the little three-year-old boy for everybody to hear, he says, but daddy, I was putting it back. <laughs> okay, that one was just extra. Now, here's the point. You got to train them. They need to be taught how to act in church. I'm telling you a lot. Well, how come so many adults don't know how to act in church? Because they didn't have somebody that taught them how to act in church. Teach your kids how to act in church. Whatever happened to reverence the Lord. Worship God with fear and reverence. That ain't Old Testament. That's right out of Hebrews 12. That's another sermon. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm getting there. Listen, when your kids are being selfish, teach them. Teach them to think of others. So when they're, when they're being ungrateful, make them say thank you. I mean, if, if they don't say thank you, take something away. Make them grateful for what they have. Teach your kids to be grateful. This stuff doesn't happen by accident. You've got to teach it. You train them. It takes love and discipline. That's how you get the desired results. And I told you last week, it's lots and lots of work and time. But if you do it according to the scripture, it's so worth it. It'll bring you tremendous joy. Remember when you're disciplined, your child you're doing it so that they will walk in the blessings of God and you're going to protect them from harm and destruction. I know you can't protect them from everything, but here's the thing. At least they won't be making stupid choices that bring destruction on their life. Proverbs 23, 3 and 4, 13 and 14 in the NIV says this, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. Zig Ziglar said, a child who's not been disciplined with love by his little world, his little world, that's family, that's you, will be disciplined without love by the great big world. Discipline. Love and discipline. I want to wrap up with this tonight. All of us, if you've raised kids, you got teenagers or adult children, all of us have made some mistakes. And some of us, it's big, like we need to, we need to make some real changes in our home. And here's the thing. For sure, by the time they're teenagers, kids know. They're not dumb. But I found that most of them, when you're sincere and you're real and you're genuine and you tell them, you know what? 
Dad hasn't done everything right. And I ask you to forgive me. It's amazing what that can do to start things down the right path. But you've got to be honest. You've got to be real. And I just want to encourage you tonight. You and the Lord together can do this. And you can see your kids grow up serving God with the whole heart. I really believe that. I appreciate your patience with me tonight. Stan, we're going to pray, and I'm going to let you go.